0: Uh, I, I'm fine, uh, because, uh, listeners, um, we are continuing uh, our um, little mini-series on what topic, Nia?
1: On the Federalist Papers.
0: Yes. So, and it, I it, would it.
1: like to read something.
0: Okay, but before you read something, listeners, okay. uh, just a little bit of background. In a previous podcast episode, we talked about the origin and who wrote uh, the Federalist Papers, and why they've been important throughout our country's history, and then we promised that we would delve into some of the better-known Federalist Papers.
1: And today we're going to do Federalist Paper number ten. Okay. Um, but I want to read from the Anti-Federalists because remember we said that we would tell you what the what the fuss was about. Yes. And so Anti-Federalist S.A. 10, which, by the way, it turns out they match in numbers.
0: (laughs) Isn't that convenient?
1: (laughs) Mm, It is rather handy, which appeared in the Maryland Gazette and Baltimore Advertiser on March 18th, 1788.
0: I love the the titles of old newspapers. Uh, uh, Right.
1: Every (laughs) Maryland Gazette and Baltimore Advertiser, because that must have taken up half of the top page to start with. You don't have to have a lot of news because you got a big old title. Um, uh, it sounds like this title was written by Yoda, but just bear with me. Um, the Preservation of Parties, Public Liberty Depends. Which I do think it does sound a little bit like Yoda. Yeah, um, it, the it, Preservation it, of Parties, Public Liberty
0: Depends. Yeah, anyway, it, it, by the way, just absolutely poor sense construction. Very right. passive.
1: <laughs> right. But listen to this quote from this, which I think was really cool, that on the preservation of parties, public liberty depends. Whenever men are unanimous on the great public questions, whenever there is but one party, freedom ceases and depotism commences. Yes. Object of a free and wise people should be... <clears throat> so to balance parties that from the weakness of all, you may be governed by the moderation of the combined judgments of the whole, not tyrannized over by the blind passions of a few individuals. Yes. Now, first of all, I love the idea that I could feel tyrannized over. (laughs) Um, Because tyranny is such a great word. But notice how this is a very... We were talking about the fact that this is propaganda.
0: Oh, yes. Very feel dramatic. The passion,
1: right. Yes. The feel, whenever men are unanimous on great public questions, freedom ceases and despotism commences, right? We will have a despot, and yes. they will rule over us because that's what they had just fought a war yes. to get rid of. Yes. King George, who was, by all accounts, a, a despot.
0: despot. yes. <laughs>
1: Or by most accounts, I suppose his account isn't that, but everybody else's. Yeah, account in the
0: language of my daughter, he was not a nice person.
1: He was not a nice person, <laughs> and and they were trying to avoid that by saying, if the if we have a whole bunch of people making the rules, we will moderation will be what comes out of that because you'll yeah. get rid of the extremes. Yes, And they were worried about the extremes, right? They were worried about if you had a federal government and it was run by a nutcase, Yes, then, you, what, then what's the difference between that and King George? Yes. So and, it's not a bad argument to start with, right? It's well, not a bad or it, it's not a, an unfounded fear.
0: No, it's not an unfounded fear. And the response in Federalist 10, written by James Madison— Actually goes ahead and concedes one of the assumptions of anti-Federalist number 10. Because James Madison does concede in Federalist number 10, Nia, okay, that there is the danger in a democracy of what Madison referred to as the mischief of factions. Ooh, that you that's another
1: in, great phrase.
0: It's another great phrase, right? And the way Madison described it is you would have groups of people who would come together, okay, um, and form this overwhelming, you know, you know, tyranny, and then it would harm minorities. Because, uh. And at that time, Nia, statistically, the minority was well-educated, land-owning men,
1: Right. Okay. Right. That's a fair point. They would have okay. been the minority. They were in charge of things.
0: Yes. But, but they, they would- still
1: would have been the minority no, because. That's right. Okay. Okay. So he was a little concerned for his own people.
0: Okay. But then Madison goes on and says where the anti-Feralists get this wrong is that the anti-Feralists want to make it really difficult for factions to ever occur. And Madison says, well, we know that in general, historically... That's, that's not realistic. That's not realistic because people are going to want to come together.
1: I was going okay? to say, have you ever met humans?
0: Yes. They, were, they're they will women. break
1: themselves into factions. Yes. But then yes. those factions will then try to...
0: Yes. Okay. Convince, meld... Yes. Okay. Whatever.
1: The enemy so, of my enemy is my friend, right? If you yes. If you get enough, enough people in the factions who say, these rich landowning white guys, we could do without them. Yes. Like, they could overwhelm the minority.
0: So what Madison said was, instead of trying to prevent those factions from occurring, we should mitigate their effects. And he said— Okay, so work
1: with human nature. The Constitution should work with human Human nature, nature. not
0: try to change human nature. nature, Okay, so Madison's response was, how do we mitigate against the mischief of factions? And this is where he gives the the defense of separation of powers and federalism, because he said it would make it really difficult for factions to come together and exercise all all of the, you know, great power given to the government in this new constitution because there are, okay, structural devices like separation of powers and federalism that would allow groups to check one another, right? Okay. So the example that Nia I give in my class is, let's just say, for instance, we have A congressional election and an election of a president where a whole bunch of people get elected and they want to fundamentally change social security because they're gonna they're concerned that it's gonna be bankrupt in about 15 years, which by the way, it could be. (laughs) Okay.
1: We're concerned about that too, but anyway. (laughs) Okay.
0: So these newly elected people decide to pass significant changes to Social Security as we currently know it, right? According to Madison, okay, those who would like to keep Social Security as is, okay, have multiple opportunities to influence, okay, those policy changes. They can do it in Congress. They could try to influence the president. They could go to the courts and claim that it's either illegal or unconstitutional. And because Social Security, like most federal government entitlement programs, are administered on a daily basis by the states, they could try to influence how those policy changes are administered or implemented at the state level. Right. Because that's how you control factions. You don't do what the anti-federalists would propose, because the anti-federalists say, okay, we have this new constitution that would basically allow, you know, factions okay to control us, you know, to, you know, elect a despot, right? <laughs> okay. Right. Okay. And Madison goes, okay, yeah, there's that danger in a democracy. But instead of trying to change human behavior, let's try to mitigate the effects of human nature.
1: Right, you can elect a despot but he doesn't actually have the full despotic powers yes that you that you might fear he would have.
0: Yes. Because okay.
1: what we've done is put checks on that. Yeah. Can I by the way can I read a phrase yes um, from the Federalist 10? Yeah. Uh Quote sacrifice to its ruling passion or interest both the public good and the rights of other citizens. I'm just saying, if we had people who wrote like that now Aww. in government, Aww. people would watch C-span with popcorn. Like they would, <laughs> yeah. it would be, it wouldn't be like the unfortunate uh, election of the speaker that we Here. saw where yes. people were watching cause it was like a train wreck. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, this would be like, they would be watching like, said, what? Whoa, that is wow. so cool. Right. Like I got to write that down so I can use that on somebody later. Right. <laughs> like that's, it's that kind of thing. Um, I love the, the phrasing of the, of, of these of the men of the time and what that shows is their education.
0: It showed the people education. who were
1: writing these, these – all of the people who wrote, both the Anti-Federalists and the Federalists, were highly educated individuals who had studied philosophy. They had studied history. They had studied civics, as it were, not quite civics the way we think of it now. No, but, and,
0: and they studied the classics, right? They were familiar with Plato, with, Aristotle. Right. Okay? And, you know and, – Almost
1: and, all of them knew at least some Latin.
0: They... Yeah, and and they just ate up the great political philosophers, you know, of of uh, continental Europe, right? Right. And and, and Nia, you know, y- you just uh, uh, read that quote, okay? You know that quote, okay, is an acknowledgement by Madison that he could agree with at least part of the anti fairless because. Like the anti-federalists, Madison feared the tyranny of the majority, okay? That the majority could be convinced to go ahead and select, you know, despotic rulers, okay, who would then trample on the rights of individuals. Okay. Right. And he and he
1: didn't try to poo poo that argument as being unrealistic or not cool or, right. you know, right. He didn't say to his opponent, well, you think that because you're dumb. No, but he didn't he, think- didn't. he did. Or because you're crazy or because you're at left wing or right wing or woke or whatever. Whatever yes. the thing is that you want to accuse somebody of. He didn't do that. He said, you know what? You're right. That yes, what we could is. end up with yes, is. It. Yes we could end up with the tyranny of the majority we could end up with people who who feel trampled on and stomped all over but what we have to do is one trust in the process yes which is the constitution right we have to trust in what we're what we're doing in there in terms of balancing the powers and we also have to trust that Human nature will go so far, and then it will stop going that far, because, as we know, with despots, they are regularly overthrown. Yes, they are regularly murdered in their sleep. It's it's a tough thing being a despot. Like you have to be careful
0: about that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because you can go too far, and you, you can't
1: can... really rest at night. I mean, how many years did he I mean not get any sleep at all? Because <laughs> yeah. he was waiting for somebody to kill him in his sleep. Right. Like it's now. Because again, human nature will balance out eventually.
0: And the and the other thing that Madison pointed out as a safeguard in and I did and, and you probably noticed this uh, in the research notes, Madison predicted that the United States would grow so large that there would be such a wide array of disparate geographic, religious, social, economic interests. That it would be really difficult for a majority faction to come together and dominate. And on how prescient the, was that? Yeah, I mean because <laughs> everyone however
1: time, uh, sorry, go ahead.
0: And and again, how many times, Nia, have we talked about in this podcast about how difficult it is to govern the United States in the 21st century? because the country, one, is geographically large, okay? But in terms of varied interests, right? I mean, you travel enough in the United States and you have even a remotely, you know, functioning, you know, uh, curiosity, you're just going to be, you know, awestruck (laughs) by the great, okay, political, social, economic, I mean, you, you know, food, music, the, the interests are so varied that
1: the language in this country is
0: varied. Yes.
1: Uh, try that, that fuzzy brown drink, um, uh, you know, in bottles,
0: soda, Soda.
1: pop, oh. Coke, right? <laughs> Every, calling everything a Coke. That's what happens in the South. Give me a Coke, right? <laughs> and And what you mean is a brown fizzy drink. Yeah. Of some kind. Yes. So, like, you get that that kind of thing. I mean, we don't even agree on basic language for a sugary drink none of us should be drinking anyway. anyway don't or,
0: or, or, or think about, you know, the, uh, the, the, the different variations of pizza in the United oh, States. Oh, please. Okay. The New York
1: thing that you fold in half, that Chicago thing that's about three feet deep. Like, the, <laughs> the, all the different – and – and the infighting of those communities well, that's not pizza this is pizza right and of course the italians are like we don't even know what this is like you're yes. this is not even a thing
0: <laughs> what have you done <laughs> exactly
1: wait wait what you, now you're just making stuff up
0: you know yeah, but i think i almost, want, I think to, the, I, I almost what, want to quote the godfather you know uh, uh, the godfather from godfather part 1 look what they've done to my boy <laughs> right okay <laughs> i mean yeah right
1: it, It it's huge variations across the nation. And in some ways that's a good thing because it keeps us from getting too nationalistically bonded in the sense of, oh, I don't know, Germany in nineteen thirty nine. Yeah. Right. Right. It prevents that kind of thing because we just have so much discussion in this country and argument
0: argument but it does make it arguing. Thank you. Okay, but it does make it difficult. For and us to build a consensus. To build a consensus. To actually... <laughs>
1: Something really bad has to happen for us to have a consensus.
0: Oh, yeah. It has to be a major economic like, crisis. Right. Like, like you... the
1: United States before World War II was very much factionalized about whether we should join World War II or not. You get yes. Pearl Harbor, and that goes away. Yeah. Because everybody's like, oh, no, you did not. You yeah. did not just, <laughs> okay, well, now we're done having this discussion. Yes. Now we're okay. in it, right? Yeah. But what I think is, can we talk a little bit about what Madison got wrong?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, and that was the next point that I wanted to bring up. Because on one hand, listeners, you know, Federalist 10 is championed and has been championed and advocated uh, for, for, you know, centuries, a couple centuries, okay, is how Madison believed that you should not try to subvert human nature, but minimize the effects of human nature, but he did get some, at least one thing terribly wrong, which was what, Nia?
1: Um, in to my mind, what he got wrong was not thinking in terms of how wealthy some individuals would get and their outsized influence.
0: Well, and, and I, I but I'm But i
1: betting that you have something up. By the no, way, it, listeners, if in case you want to go read Federalist 10, we will um,
0: put, we'll it, in the research put guide. it in
1: the research guide. And it's not very long. It's. No. i mean none of these paper these are essays and they don't take very long to read we're not talking about we're talking less than five minutes you can have read it now can you absorb it in five minutes no because scholars have been discussing it since they oh i don't know eighteen, seventeen eighty-seven, 1787 right like when this but, one was written um anyway
0: but i mean i would go a little bit further than that point that you just raised okay, okay which is It's not only the the outside influence of the wealthy and the elite, it's the fact that the wealthy and the elite will frequently create their own factions, which then acts as a multiplier effect. So if you think about interest groups in the United States, um, the old adage, somewhat ruefully said, is – the interest group choir in the United States is a wealthy one. Okay. Because most interest groups that have any kind of policy influence in the United States, okay, typically have a whole bunch of money. So it's not just one or two wealthy people, right? It's not the George Soros's, right? It's or not the Koch Co- 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 brothers, right?
1: But it's the PACs and the, and the, and the other groups that they support, support. and a bunch of them support.
0: Yeah, that's right. Okay. You know, that's why, for instance, when unions became legalized in, in the United States in the late 1930s. Oh, that's why
1: politicians woo them, because, yeah, because they have
0: because enormous because numbers of people and money. Paying their dues, and all of a sudden, unions now can compete, okay, with interest groups crafted by big business or really wealthy you know capitalists right so now all of a sudden you have all of this money with all of these interest groups okay and what do elected officials need when they run for office nia money they need money right
1: oh they call that a war chest
0: (laughs) yeah they call it a war chest because they're going to war right
1: right? and it and it Boy, is that the wrong idea about politics. But anyway. Okay. But it, in, but it is. It's it's treated Madison, as a war, and it's treated as a war in the sense that it's okay to say anything you want about your opponent.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, and, and so— Which is n- not okay either, but— Yeah, so Madison got it wrong about interest groups. I mean, he I don't think he understood how interest groups could form in the United States— as the American economy shifted from agrarian to industrialization, right? You know, the Robert Barron's Nia of the late 19, or excuse me, the late 1800s, okay? I mean, they created a model that you still see interest groups use today, which is, if there are people with similar interests to you, okay, and they have money, you want them as part of your group. Right. So you jointly
1: hold things together or you, you know, you come out with joint statements about blah, blah, blah thing. And it's to and it's to multiply the effect of your your power and
0: your influence. Right. Okay. The other thing that. In in federalist 10 is always viewed as a response to uh, or a concern about political parties. But I, I really don't think Madison understood how political parties. Okay, would develop in the United States and end up controlling government positions. And those positions have power because that was the thing about those positions in the US Constitution, you know, that the anti-federalists frequently railed about. Theoretically, the United States Congress could do a lot to a lot of people. And we've discussed this, right? Right. Okay. um uh or the president being a sole person okay i mean the anti-pharaohs were just like how's that not a king right and yeah
1: i mean there's a certain argument there that's i'm not saying that they're not completely wrong especially with the power of the executive order how is that not a king how is that not a despot when you when you it, it you mentioned this to me about your classes, and I think it's a true thing that we should keep in mind. People love executive orders when it's something that they like. Yes. And people hate the power of executive orders when it's either someone or something they don't like. That's right. And, and it's hilarious to me that when they say, we should get rid of executive orders, except when my guy does it, and then we should have them times a thousand.
0: And yes, you're like, right. okay,
1: but it doesn't work that way. Just like when we talk about getting rid of of the filibuster, yeah. it's a dangerous game to play because you will at some point be the minority party. And Mad- you may not be the minority party now, but you will be at some point because of the way the, the politics in this country are built.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, Madison's point was okay, separation of powers, checks and balances, and federalism would mitigate. Okay, the effects of factions. But, you know, Nia, to your point, let's say the country picks a president, okay, of one political party, and both houses of Congress are controlled by that political party with comfortable margins, like a large enough margin in the Senate to overcome the filibuster. At that point, okay, those structural, okay, counterbalances— that Madison references in Federalist 10, they don't work. (laughs) They don't work. Right. right? Okay. And that's, and again, think about, for instance, Roosevelt in 1936. He runs for reelection. Okay. Absolutely wipes out the Republican Party opponent. And he increases the Democratic majorities in both the House and the Senate. He was, in effect, a king. Right. Right. Okay. I mean, that's where we get, which is attention. how we get,
1: right. Which is how and we get all the of this presidency,
0: stuff. Right? right. Okay. In Madison, in, in in Madison, in some ways didn't think that that could be possible. Well, it becomes possible when you only have two political parties. And if one does really well in elections, guess what you get?
1: Well, and in Madison's day, there were how many parties?
0: well, at least initially, there weren't any, because remember, OK, when the Constitution. Oh, right. Was- you just voted for
1: president and vice, like whoever got the second number <laughs> of votes go, was right? vice president. OK, there were no. That's right. I forgot about that, that you don't that you voted. And the the guy that got the top number was president and the guy that got the second number was vice president.
0: president right. And who mm-hmm. the heck
1: knows what their political leanings were.
0: And, and, and throughout the first half of the 1800s, you actually had regional parties, right? Okay, it wasn't unusual to actually have four or five people run for president.
1: <laughs> that's pretty awesome. But I can see where he would not have thought yeah. that it would distill down to two parties, because they were so in in some ways they were so factionalized that it was actually.
0: And again, that's where his geography argument you know, probably didn't allow him to see, Nia, how we would end up with two dominant political parties that would span the entirety of the country, right?
1: Yeah. One of the things that he mentions in this, in, in, in Federalist 10. 10, over and over and over, is a well-constructed <laughs> constitution, right? Like, he keeps mentioning that. Yes. Well-constructed political um, milieu, yes. It, like, and I don't know that he saw that it would become unconstructed in the way that it has.
0: Yeah, and the language of a political scientist, whereas
1: the federal anti-federalists might have been a little bit right.
0: Yeah, I mean, in the in the language in of, their in their
1: concerns,
0: a uh, political scientist, Madison was a structuralist. Madison believed that structures and institutions could mitigate against the dangerous, if you will, passions of the people. And that has not always worked, right? That has not always worked. Um, And uh, on the other hand, anytime I hear uh, friends, okay, acquaintances, students complain about how slow moving the American government is, I'm like, hey, according to Federalist 10, that was on purpose. And they're just like, yeah, but we don't get anything done. I mean, I hear this a lot, particularly from my my younger students who are just like it's difficult to stay involved and interested in politics because things don't change i'm like oh yes they do they just don't change as quickly as you would like right they're more on the incremental right
1: what do they call that it's not geographic but the the Sort of the way glaciers move right like they, <laughs> yeah
0: yeah yeah that's get, their
1: time scale,
0: yeah, we get gla- glacier changed instead of you know <laughs> moon change right right okay um and and at times and you see this for instance uh with the protests um after the uh, uh the uh, uh, George uh, Floyd murder um or even the the January sixth um you know, 2020 uh, 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 riots at the Capitol. Okay, um, when you don't get that kind of immediate change, there are folks, okay, um, who will respond. Okay, they may right. not respond well. Okay, but nevertheless, okay, um, if you read Federalist 10, okay, incremental glacial glacial change, okay, was hardwired into the system. Because Madison, as you pointed out, Nia, and this is all over Federalist 10, okay? A well-constructed, a well-structured, I'm just like, what you know, in many ways, Madison and, and the framers kind of sort of viewed it as they were building a nation, right? They were building a nation. And like, you know, when you're building a house or an office building, when it's being constructed, I don't know about you, Nia, sometimes I'm just like, I don't know what they're attempting here, but this doesn't look like anything,
1: right? It doesn't look like it's going to stand
0: up. Yeah, right? Okay.
1: And then it turns out to stand up really well. Part oh. of why you have to, it's an excellent metaphor, because part of what you have to do when you build a build a skyscraper is it has to be able to move with the wind. Yes. But not too much. If it moves too much with the wind, it falls over on the buildings next to it, and they don't like that. No. But if it. But if it doesn't move at all, it will fall over on the buildings next to it, which they don't like, as aforementioned, because it doesn't give a little bit. It has to do both things. It has to be be strong, but it has to be slightly maneuverable. Yes. Um, can I read a, another phrase from the Federalist yes. 10?
0: Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So
1: strong is this propensity of mankind to fall into mutual animosities that where no substantial occasion presents itself, the most frivolous and fanciful distinctions have been sufficient to kindle their unfriendly passions and excite their most violent conflicts.
0: Yes.
1: Now, I'm just going to put out here Madison didn't think a whole lot of the people in yeah. some ways, right? He yeah, was I mean- basically like, uh, humans are kind of just animals with less hair <laughs> right we're we're gonna do we're gonna do these things and that's actually a good thing you can depend on that yeah because to be you're... the to be the, the thing that like yes a faction may form but then somebody's gonna say something about somebody's mama and it's all gonna be over right like there is a perceived insult or there is a perceived rift and then it drives that faction apart. Like what Madison was saying was that's good. We can depend on humans to be fickle. We can depend yes. on humans to be to be not able to hold together a a faction, faction for any for any super length of time. And boy, did he get that right. Yeah. Like it, you, it, it you're you're friends today, but you may not. Congress strikes me a lot. I don't know if you remember this from high school, but uh, you had to be careful about who you assumed was dating whom because that could have changed an hour ago in math class. (laughs) Right. And you might be stepping on feelings and hurting people if you say anything. So you just sort of had to be real careful about that kind of thing. That's a lot how factions in Congress work. Right. They'll form. But how long they last is hugely dependent on: Do they have a common enemy? Does the common enemy hold? Can they hold?
0: You know what to bill, faction? You know what bill is being proposed? What bill is being discussed? What bill's on the floor?
1: How yeah. much do they need that thing versus this that, thing? Yeah, I mean, how he, much do they dislike the person who
0: brought it up? Like, and again, listeners, what Nia's is pointing to is on that point. Madison's responding to. One of the overarching critiques of the anti-federalists of the then-proposed Constitution, which was um, uh, the government would have so much power that this would be harmful to the people. But Madison's view was, and this was shared by many at the Constitutional Convention, was that you know in the aftermath of the Revolutionary War, the people of the various states had basically gone ahead and demonstrated. Okay, that they could turn on one another just like that. Right. (laughs) Okay. So if we know that that's going to happen, okay, instead of hoping that it's not going to happen, okay, they were very pragmatic. Madison, in particular, was very pragmatic about human nature, right?
1: Let's just build a system where that takes that into account.
0: Yeah, it's hardwired into it, (laughs) right? Okay, so, okay, and what we criticize today for as deal-breaking and compromising, well, Madison was just like, we want to encourage that, okay, because it's not going to be permanent, okay? Right. It's not right. going to be permanent. The
1: deal that is made this week won't hold three years from now.
0: No, right? And and think about, for instance, if you are the Democrats in the United States Senate, and prior to last year's midterms, you basically were at the whim of two senators, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, right? And as well chronicled in the press, and as we've joked on this podcast, good luck figuring out where those two would fall on any particular bill proposal okay policy etc right right because where joe Manchin was in april might be completely different at the end of august okay and because kirsten cinema okay um has been noteworthy okay for not disclosing where she falls on proposed legislation in some cases until they actually take a vote on it in the Senate. Okay. That proves, if you will, Madison's point, which is okay, our elected officials are going to often act like their constituents, which is today, Nia, okay, you and I can go ahead and agree on where to get lunch. Okay. Tomorrow, I might go ahead and say, are you? I want to eat lunch with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right.
1: And then next week, when you need me to sign off on something, you are like, hey, hey. that's at lunch.
0: Yeah, right? You know, hey, I got this project, and could you work with me? And, and and again, Madison's assumption was, well, if it serves your purposes, Nia, you will say yes. And if it doesn't, you'll go ahead and say, I'll get back to you. <laughs>
1: right. And the anti-federalist argument was – I think and make sure I'm I'm clear on this, that factions would form and they would stay formed because the conditions that formed them wouldn't change quickly enough. Yes. And they could tyrannize the minority. Yeah, yeah. And and probably in some instances, they were right too, right? There's probably been, I mean, Madison sort of had a pretty decent read on people of, ah, they don't get along now, but I wouldn't hold my breath on that lasting. But occasionally, it does last. Occasionally, well, even about- disparate people who don't agree on anything else will agree on, say, the farm bill subsidy subsidy. Right, that brings Democrats, that brings farm Democrats together with farm Republicans. Yes, say we need this thing, and the overarching thing that draws them together is farming, not the bill.
0: Yeah, or think about, for instance, the various Southern states um, uh, uh, imposing Jim Crow after the Reconstruction. Right. Right. Now. You know, for 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 those of us, you know, you know, from the north, okay, or were born in the south, you can go ahead and say, well, all southern states are the same, but they're not, okay, they're not, right, okay, and you can't go ahead and say that. But the extent to which, okay, there was a coalition of whites who were like, okay, the Civil War, okay, didn't turn out the way we wanted. The rest of the country thinks we're racist because we believe in slavery, okay? And we don't like African Americans. Right? Right. And or,
1: or more likely, we fear them.
0: We fear them. As, a,
1: as a voting block, as a group, we yes. fear them.
0: Politically, economically, socially, etc. cetera. Right. Right? We fear
1: we will lose our place to them.
0: And to a certain extent, the anti-federalists okay, captured that particular context extremely well, whereas Madison, okay, would have argued at no point could the Southern states, okay, for nearly a century, okay, after the Civil War, be able to maintain that. Madison just didn't think that would be possible. And boy, was he wrong. Oh, he was wrong. Terribly wrong, right?
1: Right. So, So what we're getting at here with the Federalist Papers is even though the Federalists won, Yes. They, they weren't always right, and they weren't always um, – they couldn't always see the way this was going because guess what? Madison was not Nostradamus. Really? Madison did not have a crystal ball. Nope. He could not possibly – I don't know that he conceived that the South would secede from no. the Union and have to be dragged back kicking and screaming, and that the, and that the Jim Crow laws of the South – the North mainly let go so that they didn't have to have another civil war, right? I'm not sure that he that he saw any of that now by the same token the anti-federalists basically their argument almost all their arguments so far as i can tell and i've only read a couple so i could be wrong and i'm going to keep reading as we as we work on these is that generally no kings no kings no kings no kings no kings like if you could do just break it down into two words it would be no kings right like yes i mean they we were. need whatever system we set up they were rabidly anti-monarch monarchy and they would see the modern obsession with the british monarchy the modern obsession in the united states with the british monarchy as nuts
0: well, right because as, as, as appalling they we just like-
1: lost blood and treasure yes. to get rid of these fools and now you want to keep them in the news and and Like currently the the Prince uh, Prince Harry's book Spare yeah it's like on the top of the bestseller list and they would be pulling their hair out and saying are you insane why do you care about these people
0: because so much of the so many of the anti-federalist papers basically just start off with this new no kings (laughs) this this new constitution (laughs) basically makes the federal government just like the British Crown.
1: comma no kings (laughs) colon enter more argument here
0: yeah right I mean it it is a constant theme, right well
1: and they the reason they were having that argument is because there were still people first of all anybody who thinks that everybody in the revolution fought on the American side no is wrong yeah they had a lot of people in the United States who fought on the British side Yes, because they liked the monarchy, and because they didn't know what would come after, there had only been monarchy yes. as far yep. as they had ever known, and yep. they didn't want to experiment. They didn't. They didn't want to find out this bold new, whatever, and if, if Madisonian if, plan thing.
0: And for listeners, if you know, if, 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 just to do a, a, a sort of like a thought experiment. Think about how many times in your life. You've not wanted to go ahead and do something new because you feared change.
1: Right. Even okay. though the thing you're doing is grinding, painful, and terrible, it's a known thing.
0: thing. That's right. Okay. Right?
1: Better the devil you know than the devil you the devil don't you is a know. common
0: phrase. Yeah, right. I mean, and, and those people were known as laurelists. <laughs> and they and they may not have liked everything about the British Crown, okay, but they knew the British Crown. Okay the 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 previous well, it's generation. a system
1: they could work within
0: yes because you know they had figured out you know and you know the, the the previous generation of their family or previous two generations okay um uh had you know uh lived under the british crown okay and they may not have been thriving okay but they knew that right what they didn't know what uh, would be the result and they did know okay in the early years of the revolutionary war was okay things weren't going well i mean cuz war right. requires sacrifice right
1: right and so, we were losing at first
0: yes okay i mean yes so you
1: know so yeah they're like oh, oh this, yeah, isn't, this isn't yeah. going well and no when, me, and when jo- and when we lose this we are going to be punished oh. unbelievably oh. like oh. right and the people who thought we either have to win it or we all have to die because yeah. we've committed now. And, you know, that's the Hamiltonian sort of point of view of, or, you know, give me liberty or give me death, which is point Thomas Paine. Yes. Uh, no, Patrick Henry. Patrick, Patrick Henry.
0: Henry. Yeah, Patrick Henry. Was. Right?
1: Like this sort of idea of, I don't have a choice now. I'm in it. And if and if we can't win, then we, we have to die because when George gets to punishing us, it is going to be awful.
0: Yeah, because this idea of losing a war with dignity, yeah, that didn't exist. Right. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I mean.
1: Well, and if they had not won, we would be like, we would have been occupied and we would be a Commonwealth nation now.
0: Yeah. So
1: Probably a little earlier than Canada getting our freedom, but still.
0: Yeah, I mean, because at some point, you know, one of the difficulties that colonial powers have always had historically is, when they've tried to keep as colonies um, uh, nations with um, a lot of people and a lot of territory, it just becomes really difficult. Right. Okay. Right.
1: I, when and just as a side note, when you think about tiny little Britain
0: <laughs>
1: owning like three quarters of the world at one point, you're like, wow, okay, that's some pretty intense. Uh, yeah. That's a pretty mean, intense imperialism
0: there. Yeah. Right. But I mean. Um, but I'm glad you captured that because it's easy to go ahead and say the anti federalists were one trick ponies with their argument, but understand why they were so concerned about a strong national government. Right. And there are still elements of that debate even today. Oh, yeah. OK. Um, and 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 every time I see a state go to federal court. To go ahead and challenge something that the federal government is doing, I'm reminded of the anti feralist okay, being concerned that too much power was given to the federal government in the then-proposed Constitution, right? Right. Because that was that was central to the anti feralist argument. The best government is the government closest to the people. And it's, the one most responsive to the, to the people. Most... Most accountable to the people,
1: right? Because okay. if you make a decision as the governor, right, in a local state, in a state area, the, the response to that, ask Governor Yunkin, is going to be immediate. Oh, sure. Right? When, he put in that, when he put in that phone line for education, you know, call us if you think that something squirrely's happened at your school or whatever, oh. the response to that was immediate. right he he got an immediate response to his action which caused them to slowly 10 months later and quietly kill that thing and it it doesn't exist anymore i mean you can't you can't do that but but you have to like the feder the anti-federalists were saying that's what will get you the best governance is when the people can say no 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 Oh yes and And have it actually be something that counts. Right now, I regularly say no, no, no to the president, and they don't hear me. (laughs) Uh, uh, So, whereas I think if I went to council meeting, city council meeting, and I said, no, 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 they would actually have to deal with me, even if nothing else, to have me thrown out of the meeting. But still.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of sort of like, you know, uh, uh, Neil, what you have discussed, uh, you and I have discussed, about every time the Supreme Court in June hands down all their their big rulings and, and and you've laughed because you know, okay that I will like you know start you know yelling and screaming at my computer <laughs> and, and the Supreme Court's not responsive okay? <laughs> Darn them all to heck. okay on the other hand, okay, the local government where I live, okay, if a bunch of my neighbors are doing something I don't like and I make enough phone calls, At some point in time, there's going to be a county vehicle, okay, in my neighborhood checking out the situation, right? right? And that's, you know, responsiveness. And that's the point that the anti-federalists were making, right? And it's really easy if you're in New Mexico to go ahead and think that those yahoos in Washington, D.C. are are not going to be responsive to what's going on in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Right. And And you're right. You're right, okay? Um, but Madison would say that's a good thing. He would say that in Federalist 10 because well, the country's so big, okay? The,
1: the yahoos in Washington can't tell you what to do in Albuquerque, New Mexico. <laughs> yeah. They got too much stuff going on.
0: <laughs> so which do you prefer, right? right. Yeah, right? Right. Okay. So, so
1: everybody had a, nice, a decent argument here, but we would say that for the most part, Madison won this one.
0: Right.
1: Yes, he did. Yeah. 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 Um, he did. We we uh, just to remind people, we do think he lost out on a couple things. We think oh, we, yes. he didn't see the money that oh, was coming into politics and of, he,
0: of, of, of interest group politics. Oh, good Lord. Did he get that wrong? <laughs>
1: and and he didn't see that we would drop down to two or one and a half parties, depending on how one thinks of it, <laughs> um, because you have the extremes. Right. Which is one party and the moderates, which is a half party in the middle.
0: Yeah, Um, because because right now, one of the criticisms of both political parties in the United States is.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't think we have Democrats and Republicans anymore. I think we have nut jobs and moderates. (laughs) I think those are our two political parties. But even that, I don't think Madison saw coming. No. no, no. um, But anyway, excellent. Thank you, Augie, for talking to me about Federalist 10. I guess next time we'll talk about another Federalist paper.
0: Uh, Yeah, I think the next time uh, we're going to look at Federalist 39.
1: Oh, cool. All right, so look forward to that, folks, when we get around to it, which who knows when that will be, but we will do our best.
0: Yeah, because right now uh, 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 me and Nia's attention spans um, are kind of sort of like a dog in the backyard that is, that is pop, that's populated with squirrels, chipmunks, okay, and cats. It's true.
1: <laughs> yeah. We're we're all over the map. We're trying not to be, but it's just how it is right now, folks. So thank you for sticking with us, and thank you, Augie.
0: Thank you, Nia.